I'm Katja Maria Slotte, and this is December Voicings, my Christmas calendar podcast for artists and teachers, in which we talk about tapping the creative source, finding your own voice, and sustaining in your creative work. And today is December the 10th, and we're going to talk about how to bring back that loving feeling. And when I say loving feeling, I mean the love and the joy that you feel for your craft and for your art. So if you're a singer, the love and the joy that you feel for singing and for making music. If you're a teacher, the joy and the love that you feel for teaching. What do you do if you feel like that joy and that love is gone, that you've lost it, that that your why is gone and that you don't really know why you're doing it in the first place? That can be such a scary place to be in. I've been there and that was already years ago and I found back to my joy and to the love But yet this question of how to keep that love and how to keep the joy, like how to keep it alive, it is fascinating me so much. And I've been observing this year what was happening both around me and inside of me, in myself, because 2020 has been a strange year in so many ways. And I noticed that as these opportunities to sing and make music and perform, but also to get together like with choirs, to rehearse in real life, as these opportunities were taken away from us, I noticed that there was so much happening that affected our why, our joy. So that's why I wanted to spend this episode dedicated on that love, on that loving feeling, because I think it's a timely one. And also I want to share with you what helped me bring back the loving feeling when I lost it those years ago. And sharing this, it's also like a reminder for myself in a way to keep returning to that loving feeling, if you may, because, yeah, because I'm also affected by 2020. Like, I'm in the same boat with you guys. (laughs) So let's talk about how to bring back that loving feeling. So I want to travel back in time first and bring you back to that moment when... I started noticing that my own loving feeling was fading out because that's what happened. It wasn't like I woke up one day and it was gone. Rather, it was fading away slowly. And that was the sneakiest thing about it all. So in that period, I was actually in the middle of many things that were super exciting in my artistic career. So I was touring with my own theater program and I had a very busy teaching uh, life. So things were actually going really well. I was singing and doing the thing that I loved every single day. So how can it be that I started losing the joy for making music and for singing in the middle of that? Well, 
I think it had to do with the fact that things got very goal-oriented. I noticed that singing and music making was connected to preparing for a specific performance. It was connected to being on stage or singing in the classes that I taught. And in that way, yes, I was singing and making music every day, but I wasn't spending something that I like to call quality time with my voice and with my musicality. Um, Quality time in the sense of exploring new sides of it or just sort of like just singing and playing just for the love of it. And it might sound strange to say just for the love of it because that might sound as if there's no love for that thing when you're performing. Of course there is, but it's different. I think it's different. I think there's this moment when it's just you and your craft and there's like this love story going on between you and your craft that is private in a way and it all becomes different when there is performance outcomes and other sort of like functional goals attached to it. And having said that, being a musician who also teaches, and I love teaching a lot, I've also noticed that if I only teach and I'm not connected to my own craft in a way professionally in terms of working on specific projects that are really like there for me as me, the musician, then that love tends to start fading away too. I just talked about it with a musician that I worked together with who said a couple of weeks ago, he said, I played so much better today when I did my lessons. He accompanies lessons, uh, singers, and he was playing really well. And he said, well, I felt really that I played much better because he happened to have a performance, a gig, the weekend before. And that brought back sort of like this drive and this enthusiasm for playing, while as being in this situation of only playing as an accompanist was sort of like, yeah, affecting that, what I think is the love, that loving feeling like I like to call it. So if I think about it, both from what I went through when I started losing that loving feeling and from that conversation that I had with this musician, there was this thing that popped up uh, in my mind as one of the possible reasons why we end up losing the joy or losing that loving feeling. And that is when things become routine, when things become sort of like you get on autopilot, if you may. And being on autopilot is probably like the death sentence for any creative person. And you know that this happens in the arc of making something and creating something because I notice it, I notice it in the projects that I do, I notice it in the arc of teaching related projects like when is the time when we get the dip like we talked about day four uh, earlier in earlier episodes of this podcast typically that dip comes somewhere halfway through and if it's not a day four creative dip 
when the doubt kicks in, then that dip might have to do with the autopilot kicking in. So one of the things that I strive for in my own creative life is to be able to avoid the autopilot at all costs. So to be able to stay in this zone where I feel that I am feeling joy and love and enthusiasm and being creatively stimulated and being creatively vibrant, if you may, that is my goal always when it comes to myself as an artist, but myself as a teacher as well. I have made this secret pledge it's not secret anymore because I'm saying it in a podcast that I would not do things that I don't feel the love for because I don't want to be that person, you know, that person, that, that person who just keeps on, you know, doing it because it's a job. I don't want to be that person ever. Okay. So about what do you do when you do notice that you are on autopilot or what do you do when you do notice that you have lost that loving feeling or that you are slowly losing it so here are some things that help me get back to that loving feeling when I lost it in the past and I'm going to share them so that I remember so The biggest thing, the game changer for me in finding back my love for singing and playing in that moment was actually finding back to meaningful practice. Like you wouldn't think that practice would bring back the joy, but it does. So what I mean with practice was not just practice in preparation for a rehearsal or performance, like, hey, I've got a gig in two weeks, I gotta, you know do this thing or um, whatever, but daily practice. And even more importantly, it had to do with practicing the art of attention. There can be so much judgment and fear involved in practice and music making. So we can be judgmental about what's happening or have a preconceived idea of what's possible or not because we've had previous experiences. So we might fear of not being or not doing enough. We might have a fear of missing out, fear of failure, fear of not having enough time. So we tend to rush. We try to do too much. We don't do certain things because we're sure in advance that it won't help anyway. Or we don't do anything because just getting started feels difficult. So these expectations and judgments and fears keep us from actually getting to work. And then in the end, we end up feeling shitty about that. So when I lost that loving feeling completely, I needed to find back not only to that what made me fall in love in the first place, but also I needed to learn to listen and look at things again without judgment or without these preconceived ideas. And that was actually the year when I started approaching my own singing practice from a gentler place. And I learned to approach it from this place of curiosity and mindfulness rather than from this 
outcome-driven place or from this place that is filled with judgment and fears. I spent a lot of time on small details and on noticing the daily changes in my voice and checking in on how my voice felt every day. And that opened up so many doors. I also found a connection between meditation practice and singing practice. And that taught me many things about saying in the present moment, really, and just accept whatever there was and observe things with this objective and open mind. So here's the thing. Attention makes space for transformation and that is why it is so powerful. Eckhart Tolle writes about it in his book The Power of Now. He writes, the present moment is sometimes unacceptable, unpleasant or awful. It is as it is. Observe how the mind labels it and how this labeling process, this continuous sitting in judgment, creates pain and unhappiness. By watching the mechanics of the mind, you step out of its resistance pattern and you can then allow the present moment to be. This will give you a taste of the state of inner freedom from external conditions, the state of true inner peace. Then see what happens and take action if necessary or possible. Accept, then act. Whatever the present moment contains, accept it as if you had chosen it. Always work with it, not against it. Make it your friend and ally, not your enemy. This will miraculously transform your whole life. And that is what I learned through this daily practice. It was to meet my voice with like more loving kindness and no matter what it sounded like or was behaving on that particular day. So when something was like unacceptable, unpleasant or downright awful, if I may quote Eckhart Tolle again, I learned to accept that situation and then act. So instead of like freaking out about it or going on this sort of like self-bashing spree or trying to immediately fix a problem with some sort of like a quick technical fix, I would instead center myself, calm down. I would pay attention to what my voice and body was telling me in that moment. And I would just apply one technique or one tool or one exercise and then observe the effects of that. And it would not be, oftentimes it wasn't even like these techniques that were like the quick fixes, but I would spend much more time on fundamental techniques, or I also fell in love with new practices like singing overtones. And that started changing everything. So by paying attention and staying in the moment, I learned to listen to my voice and my body in a more profound way. And actually, sometimes this acting meant like taking action. It meant taking care of my voice by canceling something rather than trying to push the limits of what was energetically or physically possible which is what I think we do when we are on autopilot. We push. We're not listening. 
And I started actually noticing the small, small changes, the subtleties that I would have totally missed out on if I would just had sort of like reached out for the quick fixes. The thing with showing up for my voice and for my musicianship every day and doing the smallest possible thing on a consistent basis, it helped me not only to fall in love with practice again and fall in love with my craft again, but it also made me feel accomplished. And as we all know, that is one of the biggest sort of like voices that we have uh, screaming at us is this thing like the feeling of not having done enough or been enough. But showing up to do the smallest thing every day, it just helps in silencing those voices too. And another thing that helped me bring back the loving feeling again back then was to become playful again. So to me, creativity has always been linked to childful playfulness. And actually, Julia Cameron compares what she calls the inner artist, that part in us which creates, to a child in her book, The Artist's Way. And my own road to music, it started with just this childful curiosity and playfulness when I would like pick up a musical instrument and wonder how to make it sound. And there was this awe and wonder and curiosity. And it's so easy to lose touch with that playfulness when, you know, things get real, things get serious, like you do educations, you grow up, you become professional, or you seek mastery, or you are in the middle of busy schedules with theater tours and teaching, and you forget about being playful. So for me, it had a lot to do with improvisation, but also about like revisiting the old flames, like songs that were meaningful to me at some point in my life but that I had forgotten about because they were not in my current performance repertoire or even sort of like guilty pleasures if you may like things that you really really you know love and songs that bring you joy but you're like not publicly admitting to that you love them because uh, I don't know, because somebody told you when you studied jazz that that was not <laughs> an intellectual song. <laughs> oh my goodness, the categorizations we make for music, for art. It's just like, if it brings you joy, then do it, right? So who cares, right? So who cares if the jazz police is going to come and get you? <laughs> when you attempt to play along a Herbie Hancock solo, which I did in that period. I was, I was playing, you know, I was playing my old Chopin songs and I was playing Bach and I played Herbie Hancock solos and was really bad at it. And it didn't matter. I mean, I'm not setting out to make a career as a jazz pianist, so who cares? The point is, it was fun and it felt great. So it was kind of like going for a date night with my own 
musicianship, with my own creativity, with my own voice. And that's what I would like you to do over the coming week. Plan some date nights, some date nights with you and your craft, you and your creativity, you and your voice. So what would you do on your date night? Thanks so much for tuning in today. I wish you many beautiful, inspiring, joyful date nights with your voice, with your craft, with your musicianship, with your creativity. And you're also more than welcome to join my Facebook group, Rock Your Singing Practice, where I share practices for the voice, for the body, for the mind, for the soul, and you'll be part of a group of singers and artists and teachers from around the world who are also on their singing journey. I'll be back soon. Bye!